Welcome to a Christmas special of the SBK betting podcast. And aren't we in for a treat? The festive period is always a cracker, but I have a feeling this might be even more than we bargained for with horses unable to run over the last couple of weeks due to the big freeze. They're all now bursting to run. So we're hoping that we're going to have really big field sizes over this Christmas period. Ross Miller and Tom Collins join me as ever looking really festive indeed. Thank you, TC, for finding the smallest Santa hat I have ever seen. I'm sure that you've nicked that from your poor baby. He's probably very excited about his Christmas uh, festivities. And so I hope that you're going to give that right back to him after this. Yeah, 100%. It's either the smallest hat or I've got the biggest head. Um, but no, <laughs> I, I have nothing nothing Christmassy. So I had to steal his hat. Uh, he looks a lot better in it than me. But um, look, I'm really looking forward to Boxing Day racing. I'm ready to get stuck in, Jess. Yeah, and Ross Miller, or as I should correctly say, Ross, Merry Christmas, Miller. This is um, your favourite time of the year, I know. Yeah, I do. I do love a bit of, uh, well, I've got two kids and, and they love Christmas. So that sort of dragged you along. But as I was saying to TC, uh, new parent, rule 101 is they can have Christmas Day. Dad gets Boxing Day, control of the TV. Um, and we've got some great racing to look forward to because we have had bad weather that appears to have followed you around on racing TV cameras. Um, lots of frozen ground, lots of horses unable to run. The upside of that is they all run over Christmas. So we get competitive racing, big fields, lots of it, and can't wait to get stuck into it. Yeah, it's obviously not just Boxing Day, 27th as well, the Welsh National, which we'll get stuck into. Um, yes, I'm going to be at Wincanton. I just hope that I'm not going to be a curse on that racetrack and that we can get racing there as well. Must mention that I am sorry, Tom, that the world teased you with that one-off all-weather special. And to cruelly take it away from you at the 11th hour was really heartbreaking. But we do actually have some all-weather action over the Christmas period. And I'm sure that you've got a few um, horses up your seat for that, for, for some of the best action that we get on the synthetic surface as well. But let's get cracking. Um, we have got four grade ones at Kempton on Boxing Day. Um, because of all the uh, all the called-off racing, uh, the non-walk hurdles being rerouted, we're going to talk about that and the implications of having it at Kempton as opposed to Ascot now um, a little later on. But we're going to start as customary with the King George. Um, this is the big one. Um, this is always on Boxing Day at Kempton. Um, and it's a race with so much history to it and an illustrious role of honour as well. It will be at 2.30, the King George. And um, we will be looking forward to seeing Brave Man's Gain, 13 to 8 favourite. Uh, Lompresse currently 2 to 1. Hitman 9 to 2. Envoyland 7 to 1. Frodon 16s as well as Eldorado Allen. Rob Bagai is going. He's 20s. Not sure about a hoist and your. Um, he's got other options. Um, Miller's Bank is the outsider at 50 to 1. Right. Well, if, if um, I'm pretty certain the majority of these hold their ground, it's a good King George without being excellent. Obviously, we've got uh, betting dominated by horses coming into open company for the first time. The lead players already showing their hand and what they can do against their elders. TC, what what have you taken away from the runs of Brave Man's Game in the Charlie Hall and Long Presley in the rehearsal? What do you think we learned from that going into this race? Well, I thought both were really impressive. Long Presley had to carry a big weight, jumped very well. Charlie George was fantastic on him. Um, he looked like he needed the run. He wasn't 100% ready to go because we know this horse has so much class. And he didn't put a huge distance between himself and the, the runner-up and third. But he still won decisively. Meanwhile, Brave Man's Game put up a career best performance in the Charlie Hall based on Racing Post mm -hmm. ratings. He earned an RPI of 168. He jumped 
phenomenally well. And albeit uh, Hoy Senor didn't perform, um, which he never seems to do until April, which is uh, like a factor that I try and um, focus in on when I bet him because entry in April is the only time for me with Hoy Senor. Uh, Brave Man's game still really uh, surprised me with the way he went about the victory. And actually his chasing, his jumping over fences has definitely improved. I don't think there's a better chaser in terms of fluency and ability to always clear every single twig on a fence than Brave Man's game. He's phenomenal long, phenomenal short. He's just a really good jumper. We've already touched on this race in the Ultimate Jumps preview, if uh, you guys at home watched that back in September or October, whenever we filmed it. Um, and at that time, I put up Brave Man's game and nothing has happened in the interim to suggest that I should be switching my allegiance. Uh, Brave Man's game just has been aimed at this race, which some of his rivals haven't. Um, a flat track that favours speed, perfect. Good to soft ground, mm. perfect. Jumping test, perfect. Paul Nichols has had a great record in this race. Back-to-back -back, uh, victories for Silvignaco Conti and Clanders Oboe. I think Brave Man's game is uh, beginning to be better than both of those two horses. So I'm happy to side with him despite the short odds. Okay, well, you know your trends. You love your stats as well. Trends haven't been kind to favourites um, over the last five years, have they? Also, interestingly... Um, Eight-year-olds have been a lot better favoured than, than seven-year-olds. I've had a look at that as well. They have a really good record. But as you say, the, the trends have always been in the favour of Paul Nichols, um, who you'd imagine has got this race set out for him from a long way out because he's not really necessarily a Cheltenham horse. I'm interested to hear what you think about what you said. And I'll, we'll just ask you again about the, the reasons why you haven't seen anything that's sparked your interest outside of Brave Man's game because there's a good list of horses in here. Obviously, Lompresse showed that he probably needed the run. But what about Hitman? What about Envoy Land? What about the others? Are they Do they need to improve again for you to feel like they can even get close to Brave Man's game? Well, Envoy Land was a phenomenal uh, hurdler. But when he's gone over fences, he's been a bit inconsistent. Last time out, he produced a really good effort. And you always have to respect an Irish-trained horse in a race like this, um, especially from Henry de Bromhead's yard. But Henry de Bromhead's still not really firing on all cylinders. He's had a couple of winners, but not too mm -hmm. many. Um, I think Envoy Allen just needs to prove his consistency for me to back him. Lompresse, as I touched on, is a major player. I just think Brave Man's game is going to be better suited to the track. While Hitman, he was impressive last time, but he was almost handed that victory from the outset. No horse challenged him. He just jumped around and won with ease. Yes, you can't take anything away from what he beat, but also it was just basically a piece of work. Prior to that, I didn't really like his resolution. Uh, I thought Hitman was a horse that would tend to throw it away in a finish. Maybe he's uh, gone over that bridge, gone over that hurdle now. Um, but still, I think Brave Man's game is just more talented. Okay, fine. Fair enough. Uh, you know, this is a race where we can't disregard anything, can we, Ross? Last year, we had a shock winner with Tornado Flyer, uh, really given a, a fabulous ride by Danny Mullins, who just tactically was so astute. I was very disappointed, actually, not to see him back in this race because he ran such a big uh, big one last time out. We've only got the one Irish horse with Envoy Allow, which is a bit disappointing, so it sort of lacks that little bit of flavour. Um, but... We, as I mentioned, we have had shock results in the race for the last four years. Do you think we will have another? Um, well, we got the shock result last year because of riding tactics. One rider in that race read the race right and he won it. Everyone else got it wrong. Um, because there was a, a just a, a far too hard a pace in the middle part of the race. There is the potential for that to happen again. I mean, I think you have to say that, you know, Gavin Sheehan 
clearly caught the wrath of Paul Nichols. I can't think Harry Cobden and Bryony Frost fully escaped it. Um, and they return on similar horses again. You know, Brave Man's Game is going to want to go forward. Frodon is going to want to go forward. Lompresse is going to want to be forward. A hoist in you're in there with cheap pieces is going to go forward. You would imagine that Paul Nichols over a you know, bit of Christmas dinner with Bryony and Harry is going to lay down the law and make it very clear that they don't take each other on. But they've still got to ride their horses in a positive way to, to, to see them to best effect. I think Harry Cobden's been brilliant on Brave Man's game. Um, he sort of uses jumping, gets to the front, and then drops anchor, I think, for a good few furlongs in the middle part of a race. And I have this suspicion. I've had it all along. And, you know, it's, it's an opinion. You can be right, you can be wrong. I'm not ever sure how much this horse has got left at the back of a race. And I think he's conserving his energy very well through the middle part of the race. I don't think that can happen here. I don't think mm. Charlie Deutsch, particularly Bryony Frost, is going to let that happen. Um, and I think jumping is key. The thing to point out is Lompresse at Ascot and at Sandown jumped out to his left. Kempton is a much sharper track. Now, for my money, Lompresse is the best horse in this race by a distance. I think he's going to go really close in the Gold Cup on a left-handed galloping track. Sharp right-handed, I just wonder whether if he starts jumping out to his left, particularly given that Frodon adjusts to his left, he shifts a little bit left, and horses are herd animals. I think you could perhaps see Charlie Deutsch getting shoved a little bit left. Envoy Allen jumps left. And then you've got the prospect of a Hoy Senor, who will probably be down the rail. I mean, he's a, a horse with immense ability. As someone the other day, he's got the engine of a Rolls Royce, but unfortunately at the moment he's jumping like one too. Mm. In cheek pieces, which they, they've mentioned, I don't see how, that, how cheek pieces hap, help him. I, I know they're going to school him. I think today they're going to school him in cheek pieces and decide whether they put him on or not. But for me, his jumping doesn't look like a lack of attention. It looks like a lack of coordination and I don't see cheap pieces helping that if anything I could see it making it worse so I'm already on Hitman as I put him up at an anti-post price in the in the uh, preview pod that TC mentioned I don't want to go back in at, at that price so I just looked to take a view with two that are going to get opposing rides Frodon has got assured stamina he's the only one in this field that's won over three and a quarter miles and he won over three and a quarter miles at Cheltenham mm. on soft ground He's perhaps not the horse he was, but I think his jumping is not as bulletproof as Brave Man's Games, but it's pretty much there. I think Bryony can ride him how she likes because there's no expectation. So I want him on side at a decent price. And then the other one, which is probably a bit wild and a bit fanciful, is, is Miller's Bank at 50 to 1. Because he's going to be ridden out the back exactly the same as Tornado Fly was last year. And he's been crying out for this step up to three miles. Um, he was outpaced in the Peterborough last time, finished to good effect behind a decent yardstick pick Dory. Um, yes, he has to improve, and he's probably not going to improve the 10-plus pound that he needs to improve to win this. But Tornado Flyer, we would have said the same thing about him this time last year. He'd be ridden to pick mm. up the pieces, and if there is just a pace collapse where everyone tries to go forward a bit too early, um, I want him on side as well. Yeah, uh, would, you, would you not be slightly nervous about his jumping? He's never been, he's not been, but the good thing about Tornado Flight, we knew he would, we knew he had it in him. He was just being run at the wrong trip a little bit, wasn't he? But with, with, with uh, Miller's Bank, he's just, his jumping just needs to improve, doesn't it? Just a touch. 
yeah, you, you'll probably know your fate after the first two or three fences because mm. it's about rhythm with him. And, and, and you're absolutely right. You know, it, it could well get him at it early because they will go quick early. Um, but I, I just didn't think he was a 50 to one shot against these. I think, I think he's got a lot more ability than we've seen. Um, and three miles, he's open to any amount of improvement. Okay, it's a, a really valid point about the track and the nature of it. The speed, it's more of a, a test of speed. It's a tight track. And you'd imagine the likes of Rob Guy, who's similar um, in physique as a horse, is, is going to just struggle a little bit, especially being off the track for so long. He, it's, a, it's a brave route. Um, and the horse is obviously going to be scheduled in for a Peter Marsh again. But would you, is that possibly why you might, might dismiss him as well? Yeah, and, and also Charlie uh, Charlie Deutsch, I think we can say safely, is going to ride Long Presse. Um, mm. I don't think Royal Pagai is an easy ride. I think Charlie Deutsch does a very good job on him. Um, I don't know who will take over. Um, sh- I mean, Shane Quinlan has been riding a lot for Venetia and rides very similar to Charlie. He's very good to offence, rides with a good length of leg. You'd almost be more comfortable if it was someone like that that's presumably schooled him a fair bit at home than someone just jumping on first time I don't think he's an easy ride and I think yeah he needs soft ground yeah Tom Scudamore has been um has been noted I have Joe Chambers mentioned Tom Scudamore if he's available he's obviously one on him um but I, I can I take that case I think I love Roper Guy he's got a real um, he's a real favorite of mine but I just don't know if it's today um if this is going to be the the day for him um I think it's important to give the all of these horses a good uh a good mention because it's a trappy enough event, but I think there is a good bit of pace around and it is important to look at horses that will come from the back. I'm going to give Lompresse a go. I don't think there are many positives in his camp at all. I don't think the track's right for him. Um, I think he's going to, his jumping's going to need to improve, but I just think uh, obviously he was running in a, in a handicap off to big weight and the, the pace of that race was probably less than this one. And I think a better race is going to see him to, better effect as as Ross has mentioned he's he's undoubtedly the 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 leader in from a gold cup perspective in this field um and I just think that his class might prevail could just prevail um in what is quite a difficult race to really work out um but Paul Nichols has had this earmarked for a brave man's game for a long time and uh, he's got such a good record and you, you just you just have a feeling that he's gonna He's one of his horses is going to run a, a big, big race. Um, Frodon for Ross at 16 to 1 with Miller's Bank at 50s. Uh, Lompresse 2 to 1. Brave Man's game 13 to 8. What did you put him up as, Tom, uh, anti post? I think it was 9 to 4, um, which looks pretty good right now. It, uh, it certainly does. Um, right, we move on to the long walk hurdle, the second of the grade ones that we're going to look at. Rerouted from Ascot, lost because of the, fro- because of the frost. And. This is going to make it really interesting. It's helpful for some, not for others, potentially. Um, what's good is that we've still got our uh, our team of horses lining up that we were expecting um, from uh, from Ascot. And I think that's uh, it's good that the likes of Paisley Park is still going to give it a go. We've got Champ in there as well, and they're matching up against each other from the last time. But we've also got some interesting contenders, including Goshan, um, Botex has, not so sleepy's in this, but it's likely that he's going to go to the Christmas hurdle. Ross, start with you. Main difference from your perspective with Kempton to Ascot, what, what do you really see? How do you see this benefiting some to others? 
I think this is a it's a race I'll have an opinion in, but I don't think I'll be putting any money on it. Um, well, I mean, I think the first thing to say is it's a week later. I think that helps Champ because I got the distinct impression that Nicky Henderson was slightly concerned about the relatively quick turnaround, thinks Champ's a, a fresher horse. Now, in the grand scheme of things, a, a week isn't going to make him all that much more fresh, but it's certainly not going to do any harm. Um, it's a sharper track, and I just think if you watch Champ's mm. races, he does seem to be a strong, a strong traveller, which is going to which is going to suit him against against Paisley Park. I think you have to consider Miranda. You know, she's officially rated 146, so with the seven pound mare allowance, that puts her on 153. So she's got about seven pound to find. But I'm not sure what she won last time. I think the race slightly fell apart, and she had her own way in a a small runner field. Uh, mainly with a bit of course and distance form. Um, the, the old boy Goshen. I mean, every time I see a race with Goshen in it, right-handed, I'm straight away drawn to thinking, oh, yes, this, this will be for Goshen. Um, and he has got two-mile um, flat form, which suggests he wants a trip. But when you watch those runs back, I think he's absolutely on vapours at the end of two miles on the flat. Um, I'd be surprised if three miles is his bag. I think you can just add the fact that three he's not a two mile he's not a three miler just to his list of quirks that Gershon has I think he's probably two and a half mile on very soft ground Botox has I mean I he's done did me a big favor at the start of the year um but again I'm not sure he has the gears for this I'd like you say not so slippy he's going to go so so by default I just think Champ is going to have more gears and travel better than Paisley Park probably goes further clear than he did uh on their last meeting at Newbury than Paisley Park. Paisley Park will try and peg him back and probably will finish up, you know, close enough behind him, but probably not close enough. So I think it's champs for the mm. losing, but um, whichever one of these wins, you'd find a reason why. Yeah, it sounds like it's more of a process of elimination um, type of uh, theory as opposed to something that's really jumping out of the page. Obviously, Champ has got his quirks. And as you rightly say, it's freshness that really seems to be the uh, the big key to him. Um, last year, when he won first time out in the long walk hurdle, it was off the back of a of a summer break. As was um, when he won at Newbury last time in in a, what was one of the races already of the season, the long distance hurdle against Paisley Park. TC, do you, do you agree with that method? It's a it's slightly there isn't it's, there's not a huge amount of depth there, or is there something that could throw a danger to champ um in in what is a overall quite a weak division well, i completely agree with everything that you and ross have said um i think champ is definitely the most logical winner in here yes he won the race last year at a different track um but i think the best piece of form when you're looking at this race is that last time out effort at newbury in the long distance hurdle he traveled beautifully on the front long home straight at newbury that would have suited paisley park and he still couldn't claw back champ despite putting in a really spirited effort late on champ still proved too good um, as Ross touched on, he has plenty of speed. Let's not forget that Champ won a bumper um, early in his career, over two miles. He also won the Cello Hurdle. This horse has loads of speed. He does stay, um, but he has lots of speed. So there are two different assets. And that's why he's so good in this division, because he's got a mix of both. He's a big 10-year-old. As you say, freshness is crucial. They've given him nearly two months off since his long-distance hurdle victory. Um, I just think he's by far the most likely winner. We just need Botox has to go forward because, as you say, not so sleepy, looking like he's going to go elsewhere means that there's a lack of pace in this race. And if there is no pace, I think actually that would uh, disadvantage Paisley Park the most, obviously, because 
we've seen over the last three or four years, this horse can hit a flat spot when the, the pace quickens. And if there's no speed up front and they immediately start sprinting, Paisley's going to be struggling. And that would suit Champ more than Paisley Park. But at the same time, you don't want to see a horse at relatively short odds in Champ pulling early on um, over a race of this distance. So I think if Botox has goes on, I would definitely be uh, looking at those in running markets, especially for Champ. Mm, yeah, Paisley Park... The lovable and wonderful stalwart for Emma Laval. You just got to think that potentially he's got it in him, and you should never dismiss him. But she's even been conscious that Kempton just isn't the right trap for him. So, is that why I can see you nodding, TC? Is that why you would just find it difficult to get too confident with his chances? Yeah, I mean, as you touched on, I don't think it's the right track. He's won around Ascot, and it's not, it's not too dissimilar from Kempton, as Ross has already touched on the the, uh, mm. the factors that are different. But um, I think the lack of pace and also the fact he's only won once since December 2020. Yes, he's been a phenomenal horse over the years, 10-year-old now. Everyone loves Paisley Park. But at the same time, he's not a winning machine anymore. And when there's uh, numerous factors going against him, as well as the fact he's taking on a horse who has beaten him uh, recently, as well as in the past, I think it's hard to side with Paisley over Champ. Yeah, look, it's uh, they these are quirky animals, aren't they? Champ, um, Champ, Gosh, and both our Paisley Park can be uh, can be quirky as well. Miranda's one that's really got to improve. She's only officially racing 146, and it's a different kind of test. Um, this, but you know, she's worth her. She's worth giving it a go. I just think she might be just slightly outclassed. We've seen a lot of these horses thinking of Molly's Ollie's wishes and the likes that, you know, just in with in against that the opposite sex, they just do struggle. I'm a thing that Botox has as as a decent enough chance in what is quite an open race if Champ still feels that two weeks on he's not fresh enough. Um I'm happy to give him a go. Um Champ is two to one as as we speak, but Botox has five to one. He's a real improver. Now rated 150. Um this time last year he was rated 139. Um so he's just one that's steadily been um you know coming up the ranks for the more team. Um yes uh, this is another step up. Yes he might not have the gears but he might do as well. He's only a six year old taking on these elders and he's got the ability potentially just to be improving. Whereas these others are just might just be at the top of their game or even just regressing just slightly. So I'm happy to, to give him a go um, in what I think is a, it's, it's just a tricky old one with with plenty of horses with question marks and um, Botox has his, Five to one. Okay, we'll move on now to the Welsh National. Um, this is a proper betting heat. Um, love this race. I know that Ross Miller waits for this one all year as well um, and had a horse earlier on in the season that he had tipped up and it has been completely... Um, the price is gone, essentially. Um, but we'll go on to that uh, in a moment. Quick wave for Venetia Williams. The mayor has got a penalty for her recent success. There's 92 favourite. The Galloping Bear, 6-1. to one. The Big Dog, 7s. Ask Me Early, 8-1. to one. Pat's Fancy, Jericho Rock and the Big Breakaway, all 10-1. to one. Bigger prices for the rest. Ross, we'll start with you. The Big Dog. This horse has uh, got Aidan Coleman jocked up. What are your thoughts on that? And I know that he was your anti-post tip. And what else do you like for the race now? So, I mean, he's off 153 now. So, um, it's effectively five pound well in, having gone up to a 158 for his Troy Town win. He'd be more confident if he was running off the mark of 148 that he ran off in the in the Troy Town. I think three miles is minimum trip for him. So, I'm comfortable with all of those. I have no issue with Aidan Coleman. I would be more happy if Keith Donner, he would 
hopped on a Ryan air flight and got over to ride him because I think he's got on particularly well with him. But that's nothing against Aiden. I just always like partnerships of, of rider and horse. You know, from my sport, I was better on horses I knew than horses I didn't. So um, yeah. for me, that's a slight negative. He's going to love the trip. The more rain, the better. Um, but yeah, as you said, if if anyone was uh, listening to me back when I tipped him anti-post, you probably don't want to be going in at the same price again. I'm working on the basis there's going to be plenty of rain hitting Wales. Um, and I have two to add to sort of my uh, war, war team, if you like. Um, Lord de Menil, who made an eye-catching return over three miles at, at Bangor, finishing three and three-quarter lengths behind Lemilos, who went on to win the uh, Hennessy, the, the Coral Trophy. Um, Lemilos is now 151. Uh, Lord de Menil was giving him three pound on that occasion. So I think a mark of 146 looks more than fair. He's another one that just can't have enough rain. Um, it needs to be mm. virtually unraceable and that'll, that'll suit him. He thrives at Haydock and Haydock soft, as we often say, is very different to soft anywhere else. I think if the rain comes for him, I think he's bang there. Richard Hobson in much better form this year. And then the other one is a horse I suspect might have just been laid out for this. Um, move the chains from the Gary Moore team. Um, made hay last year with four wins at uh, Haydock, starting off on a mark of 80. Um, I mean, Christian Williams did a, a very good job getting him handicapped to that to that mark. Mm -hmm. He won off 80 and then and then is now up to 128 again on uh, Lingfield. He's won on good to soft, but his best performance was on soft all over three miles. He's not come off the bridle yet, really. He sometimes hits a bit of a flat spot in the middle of those three-mile races where you look for a half a furlong that he's not going all that well, and then he sort of picks up and goes away again. So I think further still could, should suit him. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if he was a gamble of the day and goes off maybe even single figures uh, because I think they've okay. barely scratched the surface with him. And I, I'm guessing, but you know, maybe he's been off the track for a reason, but I think they've probably tried to protect his mark for a for a big pot. Yeah, he's gone up eleven pounds, twenty to one you can get at the moment. So surprising Christian Williams would let go of a horse that he's got well handicapped to to try this kind of race. Um you'd imagine he would have thought that it could be in his locker. Um new owner as well, which is very well associated with Gary Moore, familiar colours. Um, so yeah, that's a, he's a, he's an interesting one. Move the chains twenty to one. Um, we'll see how uh, how that develops, especially coming into um, the, the day of the race. As you say there's there's usually good gambles that come off in this race, um, and we've seen this in times go by. And and, and last year I will do it. Um, and the year before, Secret Reprieve, they were they were really well backed um, nearer the day, weren't they? So Welsh nationals always always fascinating. We see these gambles being pulled off. Tom, is there anything that you've looked through that takes your fancy that you think is well handicapped and has been set out for this race by their collections? Well, this isn't my favourite race, I have to admit, uh, which is probably why Ross, the great man, uh, is going to be writing the betting preview uh, for this on betting.ksbk.com. So if you need a, a little bit of a reminder of his selections, make sure to, to read that column. Um, I will probably have a few quid on something in here because I'm going to be at Kempton on the 27th and there's nothing quite like watching the Welsh National at Kempton um, over the, the festive period with a beer in hand. So I'll probably have a couple of quid on the galloping bear for trainer Ben Clark. This nine-year-old's been prolific in points. He's actually only run under rules seven times. Only four of those have been over fences and he crossed the line in front on each occasion. However, one of those races was taken away from him, uh, the Grand National trial at Haydock mm. because he had a banned substance in his system. Nevertheless, he still won that race, um, you know, unfairly, but still. 
Um, that race over three miles, four and a half furlongs was on bottomless ground. Lord and Neil, who Ross touched on, didn't even get home. That's how bottomless it was. Only three horses finished. The Galloping Bear won. Second was Bristol to Mike. Um, a Haydock regular so that kind of yeah. tells you what that race was like to watch and to run to run in but the Galloping Bear did it he's got all heart determination character what you need to win a national the fact he's remains lightly raced I think is a big positive and he's only run once this year which came over hurdles which clearly suggests they were just trying to give him a pipe opener to get him ready for this his early season target so the Galloping Bear will be my selection but as I say Ross has more expertise in a race like this than me Ross, I'm assuming um, before Christmas and uh, the kids uh, get take take you to one side that you've got a profile for every single horse for this race and you've gone through it with a fine tooth comb and that's what we can read um, come um, on on your blog. But the Galloping Bear has always been a horse that you've had a soft spot for. You've you've I think I'm pretty certain you you put them up in the past as well. Um, why have you left them out? Uh, yes, yeah, so I, I tip I tipped him for this race last year just a year ahead of myself and he was a non-runner and then yeah he did do a, a nice job i think it was at lingfield wasn't it when he when he won first time um price price jess um i i think he's mm-hmm. short enough I, I think he's got a great chance i think ben clark um probably has a bit of a point to prove i think he's a very capable trainer um and i, I think he's a nice horse. his jumping um can be a bit hit and miss i perhaps mm-hmm. you know would have preferred to have a bit of match practice but he's he's a a, a real live contender. Yeah, he definitely is. As you say, the price is six to one. That's short enough for a Welsh national. Um, but it's it's all right for TC. Um, Punitive is the one that I'm going to suggest. Um, this is a really intriguing horse. Giganstown House Stud, when they did a, a, a dispersal earlier on in the year, um, sold this horse from Henry de Bromed's £4,000. He was picked up by Gordon Elliott. Um, and they've managed to rejuvenate his jumping, which is... Always good to see. Gordon Elliott is really good at doing this. He's done this with several horses. Jungle Pros is one of them that I'm going to pick out as a horse to watch for the winter period as well. But he's just sort of brought them from yards. He's seen that they've got ability, but he's just ironed out some some quirks. And this horse, it's not been absolutely straightforward. He unseated um, and there was a mistake on his penultimate run at Navin. But he made amends for that last time out at Fairy House and showed himself to be clearly on the right side of the handicapper um, and then the handicapper made amends to that and he's gone up and he's now got an official rating of 137. But I still think that's quite a nice mark. He's got a four pound penalty for that win for this race. I still think that's quite a nice mark. And Gordon Elliott, if he does declare him, I can't see why he wouldn't do. Um, You know, he likes to plot things out for horses like this. He is in the Paddy Power Chase at uh, Lapisdown on the 27th of December. But if they do go for it, he's just got quite a nice profile um, for this race. And uh, I like 20 to 1. So that's a look at the Welsh National. Um, We have have had so many opportunities for other races that we could look at. Obviously, the Christmas hurdle will be the the one that everyone is going to really be looking forward to seeing. Constitution Hill back again and... Although it's no betting proposition, we we hope as a racing um, fraternity that he does the business and keeps uh, the dream alive to be one of um, one of um, the greats that we've seen of recent times. So that's something not to miss. But there's plenty of others, and it gives us the opportunity um, to go to go around the room and get a selection um, from Ross first in terms of a nap and an ex best, and it can be anywhere over the festive period. So, uh, I mean, plenty to, 
plenty to choose from um, and I tried to get both selections that they only had one entry over Christmas so hopefully you get a run for our money um, the 105 at market raisin uh, accidental legend for Fergal O'Brien showed much improved form went up to two mile four in just his second handicap start last time uh, the the runner-up uh, Colonial Empire has won since and by the time you're listening to this, whenever you're listening to it, might well have won as he runs on uh, this afternoon, Thursday afternoon, um, and is well fancied. Uh, the extra half furlong here will suit, as will the long straight, but he travelled very well, which I think is important for a horse round market raisin. Uh, he's a half brother to Liston Varna, who this yard had, was a very promising novice chaser before uh, sadly departing, um, and a half rather to cloth cap as well. So stamina is everything. He'll improve for, for further than this still, I think, but he's off a very um, light mark, and I think he'll uh, make it uh, two on the bounce. And okay, then the next head. best is uh, from Weatherby on the 27th, the Castleford chase at 2.45. Uh, no risk, they mm -hmm. flow. Um, was a really impressive course and distance winner last time, which took his record to three from three at Weatherby. Um, it is essentially has soft and heavy ground. So that would be a caveat. If there's not soft ground all over, he wouldn't be a, a bet for me. He's up seven pound, but that wouldn't have stopped him last time. Um, he's a strong, strong stayer at this trip. I think he'll probably get a bit further in time. Um, his only entry of the entire Christmas period from Ollie Murphy's yard would suggest very strongly that this has been the target since he won that race. It's a good point about the weather. It looks like we're going to get a lot of rain over the next few days, um, which is great. We want proper national hunt ground, um, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that affects um, the horses that we we will be seeing over the course of the the festive period. Um, but it will um, it is worth keeping up an eye out on. So th thanks to Ross for his nap and his next best and well researched. Make sure that they're definitely we hope going to run as well as obviously we're just <clears throat> a day out from some of the declarations, the Boxing Day, and then moving on we'll be getting them um, over the next few days um, for the rest of the period. Okay, Tom. I'm certain there is something from on the all weather involved with this. I'd be very disappointed if there isn't. What have you found? Yeah, you'll have to wait for the next best uh, for the all weather selection. But we'll go for the nap first. Ross's nap is at 105, mine's at one o'clock. So there's a perfect five minute period, hopefully, to land a good nap double while eating the Boxing Day leftovers. Uh, <laughs> my nap is Sporting Mike in the one o'clock at Weatherby. It's a two mile, three and a half furlong handicap hurdle. Now, there are two horses in this race that I think are really well treated. The first of them is Rebecca Menzies' is Curly Finger, who is a really good jumper for such an inexperienced horse. One nice at Hexham, two runs back. Last time out, I wasn't super impressed with his finishing effort, but he travelled through the race like a horse much better than his mark. However, I think there's a horse better treated, and that is Sporting Mike. This five-year-old was bought for 65k after winning a point in November last year. He's had four runs under rule since, ran in a bumper, didn't show up, had a wind up, then ran over hurdles, again, didn't really perform. But his penultimate effort at Banger was really eye-catching when he finished third. And he improved on that last time up at Southall, an easy success. Sporting Mike won by five and a half lengths that day, but he didn't even engage fourth gear, let alone fifth gear. And as they hit the line, this horse was really finding his stride. You could see the jockey was like, whoa, we don't, we don't want to win by too far. I'm going to pull you back a little bit. Now, he was hit with a £10 rise for that victory, but I still think that's perfectly lenient. Sporting Mike's now rated 111, but I think he has the potential to be a 130 horse in time. And I'd be disappointed if he lost the one o'clock at Weatherby. Now, my next best is on the all-weather, Jess, you'll be happy to hear. Um, and it's Great. a horse called Crimson King. 
so this horse has entered twice. I was hoping he was just going to be entered once, but he's entered twice. So he's in the 520 Wolverhampton on Boxing Day. If he doesn't run there, then he's going to run in the 530 at Wolverhampton on the 27th. Hopefully the 27th, so I can watch it while I'm at Kempton after a few shandies. Um, Crimson <laughs> King is by Kingman, um, out of a two-time listed Galileo mare. So a beautiful pedigree, just hasn't really produced that on the track. Though I am told, reliably, I hope, that his homework has been really good throughout his career. Um, Crimson King's only won five of his 48 starts but he's an all-weather specialist now. He's developed into loving synthetic surfaces. He's got wins at Kempton, Lingfield, and here at Wolverhampton. His last two successes have come off marks of 69 and 75. Now he's back down to a mark of 72. So he's treated to win a race of this nature. I thought he showed some of that old spark on his last time out effort after a long summer break um, at Lingfield. Now he's entered into a race, second time up off the layoff. He's going to be race fit. I think it's very winnable and he should be a tasty opening price. Be careful that Crimson King is a horse that tends to be backed. He's trained by Mick Appleby. And when those mm. horses are ready to roll, they tend to attract some money. So if you want to get involved on Crimson King, look for the opening show on either Boxing Day or the 27th. I think he ran on the 27th last year. So that might be the, the more likely option. But in either race, I'm happy to play King, Crimson King. Yeah, you're right. Mick Appleby, um, they know how to pun their horses when they fancy them. And uh, he'll have a busy Christmas period. His horses are in good form and he's got plenty to run on the all weather as always. OK, thanks to um, TC for a nap and next best. I've cheated a little bit because um, whereas Ross is very diligent and does all his homework and makes sure that he's got one horse with one race. All my horses have a mixture of races and I don't know exactly where they go. Some of them have got one target but some of them don't and they're more horses to watch because they could be one ones for the future as well um <clears throat> i have been reliably informed that Kay de paris for willie mullins is a horse that we should be keeping an eye on i think i mentioned it in a podcast a couple of weeks ago um now um finally he's made him made an entry for him and willie mullins is one that likes to give horses multiple entries but it's only one and he's in on the 26th of december at limerick in a maiden hurdle um, you would imagine that um, that they like to stick to that as well because he was meant to run on the 1st of December, but he um, was, a, was a reserve, so it was unfortunate not to be able to take that up. Um, and he looks like he's got a nice profile for potentially a Supreme or a Ballymore kind of horse in the future. Um, another horse that's running on the 26th of December, where I'll be, I'll be at Wincanton, um, which you can watch on Racing TV Extra because you will not hear me at all on the main channels. We have eight meetings. Um, but Edith Elton um, is a horse that has just been a real star for Robert Wolford, who's just striking a bit of form. He had a nice winner at Taunton the other day. And this horse is seven pounds higher than when he ran in the Lord Stallbridge Gold Cup last year, where he was... Unlucky in defeat, really. Um, he might go there. He might go in um, the two-mile full furlong race a little later on in the afternoon. Wherever he goes, he was so eye-catching at Exeter last time. Um, he was doing all his best work late on. I think that he's been teed up perfectly for a good run over the over uh, Wincanton, whichever option Robert Wolford um, puts him into. He's clearly still... He ran to a level, I thought, last time where... He's still uh, on. He's, he's he's able to win off this mark over a hundred and I think it's one hundred and seventeen. Yeah, now yes, that's right. Um, so that's that one, and then two more for you. It's two mares. Um, Jungle Pros. I mentioned earlier of Gordon Elliott. She has been a real um, sensation since joining that yard. She's in at uh, Limerick on the twenty seventh of December, and she's also in a Per Temps Network qualifier race on the twenty eighth. 
Um, but she's another one that Gordon Elliott has just done masterminds with. She started off with a mark of 85 with him. She's now on a rate mark of 137. And um, I think she's just a horse that he's managed to work out. She was previously with Nick Gifford and wasn't doing a huge amount for him, but she's doing wonders for, for Gordon Elliott. And the final one is Between Waters. I've been waiting for this filly. I think she was in my um, Jumpers to Follow, um, Horses to Follow podcast. Um, Nikki Henderson um, in the colours of Doreen Tabor, uh, daughter of Walk in the Park. I've heard words about her throughout the course of the summer. Um, she's currently 16 to 1 for the uh, Mayor's Novices Hurdle at Cheltenham. Um, she'll be starting live at Chepstow, I think, according to her entries on the 27th of December. And I'm really excited to see what she can do. So that is four horses for you. Those are some Christmas presents for all our listeners. Thanking you for being with us on over the course of the year. Hopefully we've got plenty for you to get your teeth into. A reminder that new SBK customers can get £30 of free bets by betting £10 worth doing for all the um, punting that hopefully um, you'll be enjoying over the festive period. A reminder to to subscribe to whatever podcast channel you listen to, um, YouTube as well, where you can find us and make sure that you read all the content. Ross Miller will be delving into the Welsh National. That is not to be missed. Some good Christmas bedtime reading. Um, It leaves me to say a very Merry Christmas to you, TC, and to your loved ones, and to you, Ross, and hope you have a wonderful time. And we'll be back to review all of our winners that we found over the Christmas period. So very Merry Christmas to you all. 